Hello and welcome to the Mandalorian part. Today we are doing episode 5 of Gunslinger. And joining me, as always, is the Ahsoka. To my Anakin Skywalker, it's Scott McLeod, everybody. I think the implication of being is that everybody heard me intolerable to start off with an hour. <laughs> everybody loves as long as I'm, uh, as long as I've gotten to the point uh, where I'm in the latter. Uh, you know, after doing this for being on Rogue Bains for like two years, I'm happy to take that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You, you definitely. Yeah. Uh, you definitely love that. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I've I've often thought you have a, a striking resemblance to Hayden Christensen, Carl. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I could probably act about as well as he can in uh, the Attack of the Clones, to be fair. <laughs> but this episode, Carl, I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking about because I talked about the title of the episode last week. Uh, it was probably more fitting for for last week's episode, the title Gunslinger, because uh, last week's episode had a real, like, Western kind of feel to it. But uh, I think we were talking briefly before we started recording uh, through Facebook that I think we both, like, forgot, while watching this episode, we kind of forgot how good it actually was. Yeah, definitely. I don't think I've rewatched this one since uh, I originally watched it when it was released uh, in the UK. So, um, yeah. I was pleasantly surprised by how good this episode was. I knew it was good, but, yeah, I'd forgotten how good. Yeah, because I think at the time I was uh, taking it all kind of weekly, and like I said, these this is one of those episodes in the middle of the, the first series that kind of being used to kind of stand on its own. It's just Mando like, doing his thing while trying to keep a low profile. And so I think at the time I wasn't really appreciating it for what it was because it was kind of veering off the main story. Yeah, exactly. It's um, so it's a bit more of a sort of slow burn this um, this first season, really, isn't it? It uh, takes a while to really get going, and then I think season two, it's like two episodes just to get into it, and then it's bam, 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 great episode after great episode after that. Yeah, like. The first season starts off hot because I remember you and Reese like raving about the the first episode and everything, and like, then then it reaches a bit of a lull. It's still like entertaining in the middle of the season. And then we got the the last two episodes uh, that are to come that are really good and obviously help really gets you excited for what's going to come in the next season. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot to look forward to coming along, which uh, you're going to get into now with. Um, there was a press release of uh, some of the casting for Obi-Wan. Yeah, there's been uh, quite a few uh, Star Wars-related like, announcements recently because uh, not only the Mandalorian, we've got Ahsoka. We talked about uh, we've learned the character Ahsoka. She's got her own series coming uh, some point in the next couple of years. Uh, we've got the Book of Boba Fett, obviously, but we made an announcement about Obi-Wan Kenobi, that TV that sees uh, the Ewan McGregor return uh, to the role of Obi-Wan Kenobi, obviously, because can't see it being anybody else. And it said that it's going into kind of production, uh, in pre-production now, it's going to start shooting in April, and it's looking to release sometime on Disney Plus in 2022. So I'm, I'm wondering, I don't know if there's been any talk about what, if Mando Season 3 has even started filming yet, so I'm assuming if it hasn't, you know, in December we're meant to get Book of Boba Fett, 
So I'm assuming if Mando hasn't really done a lot of the filming, then I think Obi-Wan will be the next series that we get. And we made a joke about Ian Christensen and his acting, but Ian Christensen is returned to the role of, uh, of Darth Vader. He's credited as being Darth Vader, not Anakin Skywalker, because it's set 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. And uh, surprisingly, the difference in attitude from when Ian Christensen was last in a Star Wars project, Carl, because a lot of people ever since this now seem to have, like, there seems to be in this kind of ground swell support for him, hoping that this is kind of his redemption almost. Yeah, I mean, I don't believe Disney would have hired him if they didn't think he could pull out a, a good performance, to be honest. And I think he showed in some of his later films that uh, he was improving. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've got decent hopes. It's going to be interesting to see, is he just going to be in the suit or are we going to see a, a scarred face outside the mask? Um, because if you're just going to have someone in the suit, you could hire anybody for the role. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see um, where they go with it. Yeah, you'd have to think they would have like shown, uh, they have to see like some of them, like the, his face obviously burned after their, the conflict between him and Obi Wan on uh, the end of episode three. So, yeah, because like you said, like they would have just said, oh, they wouldn't have announced they said to Vader's get Rihanna, and you know, because like James Earl Jones is thankfully still with us, you know. And so, if they want to do like what scenes of him in the, the suit, they can always get him in to record like the voice because he is the iconic voice of that character. But we have uh, not just the announcement of Hugh McGregor and Hayden Christensen, but a full like cast list. Seemingly, we have. Joel Edgerton and Bonnie Pisey, uh, I hope I haven't pictured that, returning as uh, Owen and Baru, the uncle and aunt of uh, Luke Skywalker. We've seen them before in episode two very briefly when Anakin returns to, to Tatooine to visit his mother, who doesn't see is, is too late and she's already passed away at the hands of the Tuscan Raiders. So interesting to see them back. This has led to rumours of a young uh, Luke, but no announcement of any young, like, like child actors all amongst this cast list, which I think is is a good thing because I don't think it's really necessary to have a young Luke Skywalker be a big part of this show. Yeah, they, they might be keeping that hush-hush for now, but you'd imagine uh, a young Luke will feature somehow, especially if his uh, sort of aunt and uncle are going to be in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got uh, some actors I know, some actors I don't really, I'm not really familiar with. Here amongst the cast this year, we've got Keneal Nanjiani, who's obviously mostly known as a comedic actor, but he's now been getting involved with Disney because of Marvel. He's going to be in the new Eternals movie coming out in the next couple of years, and there he's making his way to the Star Wars universe. Uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr., I believe, was in the uh, Stuart Compton movie. Uh, Rupert Fiend, who played Agent 47 in that god-awful uh, new <laughs> Hitman film that came out a couple of years ago. I got 50 minutes into it on Netflix, I turned it off, honestly. I've never even, never even bothered with it, to be honest. But he's in it, and just the image that's been used for him on this cast reveal, he just immediately screams, I'm playing the villain in this. If there is a role like villain outside of like, outside of like, like Ian Christian obviously being Darth Vader, you got to think there's going to be like some low-level like on Tatooine villain, kind of like the kind of characters that Mando would run into in the odd episode that he plays so that Ewan McGregor's character's got, like, some other conflicts they run into. Yeah, it's, he does sort of scream villain, but it'll be interesting to see what sort of character he does play. Yeah, you've got uh, some fe- other female characters. Uh, 
Then I see you've got Moses Ingram, I'm not really familiar with her work. Uh, Simone Kessel. There's another actress, Andrea Barma. I, I probably horribly butchered that as well. Like, uh, one of the female uh, actresses, I can't remember which one it was, but there was rumours that one of the female actresses uh, going into this uh, was going to play, be playing a force-sensitive character. And also that's led to speculation of who like, she could be. And I believe that one of them is going to play potentially Simone or Andrea, if that's even how you pronounce it, that one of them might play an Inquisitor. Who, if you guys are fans of the uh, Jedi Fallen Order game or the uh, Star Wars Rebel TV series, there are a group of uh, dark side forces are trained by Darth Vader to help hunt down the remaining Jedi. So obviously I think that could be getting, get some teams of Hayden Christensen's Zarfir training an Inquisitor who then obviously gets to come face-to-face with Obi-Wan in a later episode. Yeah, it'd be um, pretty awesome to have Inquisitors in, in a live-action um, series. So um, I hope they do go down that road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, obviously in the, I love them in the, the Rebels TV show. Uh, I believe the Grand Inquisitor in the Rebels TV show was voiced by Jason Isaacs of uh, the Harry Potter franchise. And uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar voiced the female Inquisitor in a later series, which is Funny because her husband, uh, Freddie Prince Jr., was also a main character in Rebels. Uh, I don't know how many episodes I've heard talk that it's only going to be a six-episode series. This I don't know if they'll be they have plans to do more than one series of this. Because there's such a large space of time between episodes three and four that we haven't really seen Obi Wan Kenobi, and so you could do quite a bit here. I don't anticipate too much like lightsaber wielding from Obi Wan Kenobi. Maybe the odd episode you'll get it. You know, like if there is an Inquisitor, you'll get the odd fight with her. But I don't think Obi Wan Kenobi will be using a lightsaber a lot in the show because he's probably obviously try to keep a low profile on Tatooine. Yeah, yeah, and it might contradict a lot of things that um, was said and said uh, in the first film as well. And you know, mm-hmm. apparently he hasn't used a lightsaber for years, and he hasn't heard the name Obi Wan for years. So they're going to have to either. Um, Ruin continuity or uh, tread carefully. Yeah, I, I was feeling he was going to start being called Ben uh, to obviously hide his identity. And I think there'll be some interaction between him and Joe Edgerton's like Uncle Owen because you see in the first film, whenever Luke brings up Obi Wan Kenobi, like Uncle Owen just like shoots it down, doesn't want to talk about it. And they didn't even interact, Obi Wan and Owen, in like episode two or any time in the prequels other than like when he just dropped off Luke uh, to keep him safe. So obviously something has to have happened between those two. So maybe Obi-Wan brings some trouble too close to, to them, which kind of sours their relationship. And basically they say don't, like, don't ever come near Luke again. Yeah, definitely. Did we mention uh, Sung Kang? He'll be well known to Fast and Furious uh, fans oh, yeah. as uh, Chan. It'll be interesting to see uh, who he plays. Oh yeah, I might, I might mention him as well. Yeah, so there's a different mix of like of actors here. Mm. Uh, Deborah, Deborah Chow is the main uh, director behind the show. She has actually directed quite a couple of episodes of The Mandalorian, but she, especially season one, she directed episode three, I believe, and then her next episode is episode seven. So two kind of strong episodes from her. So she's going to be behind uh, the series. And I'm I'm looking forward to. Obviously, I've been wanting to see Obi Wan as 
No, I've been wanting to see Hugh McGregor come back to the role of the one for a while. I can't think of him as anybody else, even though he's been in so many different things. Yeah, I'm glad he's coming. I'm glad he's coming back to reprise the role, and I'm going to be interested to see if they age him because you know he's he's a fair bit younger than Alec Guinness when uh, we saw him on episode one. I know it's a few years away yet, so um, it'll be interesting to see see what he look what he looks like during uh, this season. I think also they've like given themselves some room by saying at least ten years after Revenge of the the Seven. Obi-Wan was a bit older, he had the beard, he was also the, the wiser Jedi Master with Anakin under him. And obviously it's been some time, it's been more than 10 years since he last played the character, so they're given that room and obviously they want him to start looking older. I wonder if, like you said, the beard ends like that, they'll start to look, start to get more greyer as the series goes on, so he starts to look more like Alec Guinness, because yeah. I believe there was one episode of uh, Rebels Season 3, where Obi-Wan does appear because Darth Maul finally tracks him down and they animate him to look more like old Ben Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I always thought, like, I mean, there were rumours that they were actually going to try and do a tr- Obi-Wan film trilogy at some point, which I think they decided that's probably not the wise thing and decided to give him the TV show as a better way of doing it. But I always hoped that we did have, like, a, a live-action version of, like, Darth Maul coming back to hunt him down, but instead they gave us that in the Rebels TV show. Yeah, and it was uh, it was quite anticlimactic, wasn't it? Because everyone <laughs> <laughs> struck him down quite easily in the end, didn't they? As well. Yeah, well, there is a kind of a touching moment. There's no spoilers for Rebels, but uh, Darth Maul kind of dies peacefully after he uh, he's assured by everyone that the person he's look at, he's looking after is the person that's finally going to take down Darth Sidious because uh, Darth Maul they hold their grudge against Sidious for just leaving him to die after and not coming to look for him after he got struck down by Obi-Wan, because you see in episode 3, he easily comes to, to save Darth Vader after he gets burned, but when he gets chopped in half, like, Sidious was just moved on to his next apprentice. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you can see why he'd be a bit pissed off by that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's going to be coming out sometime early 2022. Another TV show we're going to get a lot sooner than that is a, a show that I asked a question about in my animation round of our recent Rogue Opinions TV quiz, that is the new show, The Bad Batch, which is basically an animated show, a kind of a spin-off to the Clone Wars TV show. It is going to be headed up by Dave Filoni, who's actually the director of the episode uh, of The Mandalorian that we are going to talk about. Some people are really thinking, geez, if I was, I was here for a Mandalorian review, like, we'll get to it. But <laughs> it's very interesting. The, this is Clone Force 99. They were introduced in the seventh season of The Clone Wars. They were across, like, the... 12 or so episodes of the final season of Clone Wars. There are three main stories of the show. There's the first part, which introduces the Bad Batch, and then there's a bit with Ahsoka being on the run and considering whether or not he'd come back to the Jedi, and then there's the final bit with her and Maul, and then if you haven't seen the final episode of the Clone Wars, I say check it out, because it's all perfectly blends into the start of Order 66 happening, and it's just a fantastic piece of television, even though it's just animated, but yeah, the Bad Batch, there are five Defective clones. There were four at the start of the Bad Batch, but they rescue a fifth one uh, during their arc in the Clone Wars, and who's been experimented on, so he goes off with them. And basically, this is after the uh, Empire is starting to take over, and basically, these defective clones are basically ordered, I think, to die, and they basically go on the run, and basically, they're basically trying to find their way after the fall of uh, the Republic and everything. They feel 
their name full name of the characters are Wrecker, Tech, Crosshair, Hunter, and Echo. And what's impressive is that in the TV show, they're all going to be voiced by the same actor, D. Bradley Baker, who voiced the majority of the clones in the Clone War series. Yeah, I hope he gets a big paycheck for doing all that work. <laughs> well, I, I looked at other because I know he's, he's he's done a lot of voiceover work. He's been in likes of SpongeBob, Phineas and Ferb. He's actually most high-profile uh, voice work outside of the Star Wars. Is he's actually the voice of Klaus the fish in American Dad. Oh, yes, isn't he? I knew I knew that name from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's strange is that there's like only three episodes uh, currently listed on IMDb. It's going to start airing weekly, uh, starting May the 4th, obviously, International Star Wars Day, so that's a nice touch. Mm. And also, it's going to credit the show, Fennec Shand is appearing, voiced by Ming-Na Wen, who appears as her, debuting as her in this show. She's going to be a part of Mandalorian and also she's in, in live action as part of Book of Boba Fett. And in this episode, we do get allusions to her past and the things that she's done, which I have a feeling we're going to get a glimpse of in this TV show. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. It's nice to have familiar characters on board and and voiced by the, uh, the actual actress who plays her in the live action. So that's always cool. Yeah, I mean, the only other time I can really think of a, a character voicing a character in animation and then playing them in live action, other than this, is kind of also a sort of related one with Katie Sarkoff mm. voicing and playing uh, Bo-Katan in The Mandalorian. She'll be here in Season 2. But looking at the, the cast list, there's not a really extensive cast list. We know Admiral Tarkin, not exactly Grand Moff yet, will be uh, appearing in the show. He's, I think, the one who gives the order for them to be killed. And also we get Saul Guerrero, who was played in live action by Forrest Whitaker. Uh, he's not being voiced by him here, but Saul Guerrero is going to be in this TV show as well. So there's all these different links to other Star Wars films in this TV show, even though it's like going to be three episodes. I'm still looking forward to it. Yeah, no, I am as well, actually. I'll uh, definitely be watching it. I'm surprised it's only three, uh, three episodes. I thought it'd be more than that, unless they uh, expand upon that in time because mm-hmm. i get the feeling some of these series they're doing are just going to be uh one-offs and so mm-hmm. far the obi-one's just going to be a, a one-off thing unless um it does that well and they can think mm-hmm. of a decent story to to do another series but i imagine tying you and mcgregor down to a series is, isn't easy because he's uh an in-demand actor isn't he he is definitely and I think uh, that's all I have with uh, the Star Wars that's been announced, but I am looking forward to a show. I'm assuming with both of the shows, what they've announced, everything, there's still so much that they could like surprise us with that we don't already know about, that they've got to keep in touch. And so I'm looking for, I'm hoping across these three episodes we get some uh, surprise appearances, because looking at the the, uh, the, list, the INDB page for the Bad Batch, there's, it's very sparse, with the exception of the ones that I just mentioned. Yeah, basically, it's Deep Bradley Baker and about four others listed, isn't it, I think, or three mm-hmm. others, because I had a bit of a butchers myself. I was, yeah, so I hope he's getting paid for, like, six performances, bless him. Yeah, as we said, we talked about the people who are involved in Mandalorian and some of them getting to take up their own projects, because you've got Deborah Trey with Obi-Wan and Dave Filoni with Bad Batch in as well. He'll be taking a big role in the Ahsoka series, so it's clearly like people who understand Star Wars as we talked about because obviously we talked about how good this episode was and obviously this is Dave Filoni who directed it and he also wrote it. 
Yeah, he's 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 had a massive hand in Star Wars over the last uh, five, ten years. So uh, I think we're in good hands. And when you see all the other stuff Disney are producing, uh, Mandalorian's been great, um, Wonder Vision and mm-hmm. uh, Winter so- Falcon and the Winter Soldier so far has been really good. So uh, I think it's um, just a fire to get excited and, and look forward to these. Uh, incoming programs. Yeah, I think before I hand it back to you so we can dive into the episode, what I love is, uh, even though this is only three episodes, Mandalorian each season seems to be ten. I don't know what Book of Boba Fett's going to be in. We said potentially six for uh, Obi-Wan. Uh, I think with Disney+, Plus, I've seen it with the Marvel shows. You know, WandaVision only had nine episodes, which is usually an odd number for a TV show. And Falcon Winter Soldier, which you just reminded me to work on this on a Friday the day it comes out. I've still not watched it yet, so... There's my viewing after this, but Same. It's, only, <laughs> it's only got six episodes. So unlike the Disney Plus, they're expanding with like the length of the the series is like only going as long as the like the story that they plan on telling like suits it. I don't want to like, have to stretch anything out because I remember when Marvel started doing shows for like Netflix, we had Daredevil, which was great over thirteen episodes, but then they had tried smaller characters like Buddy Iron and Luke Cage. And those series really dried over those 13 bloody episodes that they insisted on having. Yeah, they really did. And uh, it's probably why some of the other ones didn't fare, didn't fare as well as Daredevil. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Jessica Jones is another one. Uh, I enjoyed the first season, but the second series, uh, yeah, really seemed like you didn't need 13 episodes. Probably six, maybe eight at a maximum probably would have sufficed. Yeah, I mean... I didn't realise just how much David Tennant carried the first season until we got to Series 2. And yeah. Like, oh, God. <laughs> so he's always brilliant. He's always brilliant, David Tennant, though. Fair play to him. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm sure there'll be people who are basically tapping their watch like, are you guys going to talk about the episode? So I'll hand it back to you. Yeah, so uh, Episode 5, as I said, the, the Gunslinger, just a very quick and brief synopsis of the episode before... Uh, me and Scott get into our discussions. Um, basically, Mando's been chased by uh, another bounty hunter in his ship, um, getting shot at. Um, suffers quite heavy damage to one of his engines. Luckily, he's able to outmaneuver the bounty hunter, comes up behind him and blasts him into oblivion. But... Um, this means Mando has to land on Tatooine and get repairs. Well, uh, he meets, um, say this name right, uh, Pele Mato, who uh, offers to repair the ship at a price, even though he's got she's got droids. And again, we get another bit of his uh, fear and dislike of droids. Let's keep the droids away from my ship. He leaves. Surprisingly, he leaves Grogu on the ship, obviously not expecting him to be found, as he goes to look for a job so he can pay for these repairs. Uh, meeting um, a very sort of novice bounty hunter, by the looks of it at first. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I have wrote his name down, but I can't bloody find it in my notes now. Bloody hell. Toro Calican. That's it, I find it now. Um, he's He tells Mando he's looking for an assassin and sort of uh, marine called Fennec Shand, 
played by Ming-Na Wen. As we mentioned earlier, he's also coincidentally going to be reprising that role in the upcoming uh, Bad Batch series. And basically, they uh, they track Fennec down and apprehend her. Uh, one of their, I think they were on like, like those bikes, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're on their, their speeder speeders, bikes. Right? Yeah, one got damaged or lost. So Mando left uh, Calican with uh, Fennec Shand as he went to uh, find a find a ride, a Jew back, which they'd spotted uh, earlier on. And mm-hmm. Fennec Shan sort of convinces uh, Kanakin that Mando is actually a more valuable bounty than she is. He's uh, a wanted man for him and his bounty that he's gone on the run with. So you think he's going to sort of team up with Fennec, but he actually double-crosses her and shoots her, leaving mm-hmm. her for dead, and goes back to the garage and apprehends uh, Pele and Grogu to try and uh, get uh, Mando, but Mando was too good for him, and obviously mm-hmm. ends up winning the day. But it's a, that's a very brief sort of rundown of the episode, but um, it's really enjoyable, actually. Uh, I think all the side characters play great parts. Particularly love um, Fennec Shand. I mean. She's always a great actress, Ming Nan Wen. People might know her from um, the Marvel series, uh, Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. played a great character in in that. Yeah, uh, did she also voice uh, Milan as well? I believe she did. Uh, so, like, three of her main like roles that people know her from are all stuff owned by Disney, which shows how Disney is clearly taking over the world. It, it it does seem to be. It does it does own a lot of stuff now. Oh, uh, I've never watched Mulan, so um, no, I didn't realise she was the voice, the voice of her. Uh, I believe she is. I know she's been. She's voiced a key like female character. I'm, I think it was Mulan. I will double check as we're recording this, but it was good to see her. I thought at the time, mostly we didn't we didn't know that she'd be here by, but when she was seemingly left for dead. It did seem kind of anticlimactic at the time when I first watched it because I remember when the key like first adverts for for Mandalorian that I'd seen repeatedly that would appear like before YouTube videos and everything always featured uh, her talking and so I weirdly assumed that she was a key part of the show not realizing she was only in one episode. Uh, obviously, this would set the seeds for what happened uh, in season two when she gets this like association with Boba Fett and. Something that I picked up on only in the second time watching, they, where they track her is, they said, beyond the Dune Sea, because they're on Tatooine, where I believe the Dune Sea is close to where the uh, the Sarlacc pit was in episode six, which makes sense why Boba Fett is the one also to find her, and also that starts their partnership. Yeah, uh, makes sense. And a bit I forgot about was right at the end, where you see someone approach Fennec, mm-hmm. um, Right, life, lifeless body, or so we assume right at the end. And obviously now we can assume that was uh, Boba Fett. But obviously, watching it for the first time back then, you, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we all assumed that he wasn't coming back. But yeah, the episode. Itself, I think the opening to it, I think, is like the one of the hottest like starts to an episode we we'd had up until this point, with like the opening with the the other ship firing on Mando. 
and the guy said I could bring you in hot or cold, which I think is what Mando said uh, at the start of the series, and then Mando managed to avoid him. He shoots him uh, out of the, the sky. He basically says to him, that's my line. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, from Mando, but I think this starts a running theme through it. The first two series of Mandalorian with uh, the Razor Crest, and that it's clearly an uh, old and worn-down ship, but Mando clearly is too stubborn to get a new ship He's clearly got some attachment because it's constantly needing work done on it. Yeah, he's he's always crashing it. We see in a couple of episodes of season two where it's barely sort of flyable. I mean, if they have MOTs for those ships, I don't <laughs> think it. Would, I don't think it would be passing passing them. <laughs> no, no. I'm sorry if anybody, by the way, can hear a dog in the background barking constantly. He's just been brought back up, and he just likes to. Say, look out the window and bark at people as they walk by the house for some reason. I I can't pick anything up, so uh, oh, we might we might be all right on on that account. That's good. Uh, but I did like, uh, like I said, Billy Moto, who fixes the ship. Obviously, she talks about how it's it's taking her long way to complete it because he insists on not like using the droids. And I think he's still got an issue with that, and obviously he's got to find a job which is a bit more difficult for him being that he's basically turned his back on the, the guild. And they're going through like Tatooine, which I thought was like kinda of nice that they eventually came back to Tatooine. Because there are a lot of this a lot of the planets there are a lot of similar planets in, in the Star Wars universe. There's four types of planets you visit. Uh, ice, desert, forest, or just one that's basically built up a giant cities. Those are the four main planets <laughs> and they all look very much the same. So more often than not when it's a desert planet you think is that Tatooine and usually it isn't, but it's good that they came back. And where he goes to find work is in the Mos Eisley Cantina, which is from obviously the the very first Star Wars. Yeah, you'll find this a lot in um, sci-fi programs, Star Trek similar, probably you know location and budget constraints everywhere. Yes, yeah, so either ice, sand, or looks um, like a Canadian forest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this, this this bounty hunter that he, he meets is clearly very inexperienced. He just wants his job so he can get into the guild himself. He even promises to Mando he can just keep all the money. I swear, I close my eyes. I, I, I've only ever seen this actor in this show. I looked him up. He's clearly fairly new because he doesn't have a long IMDb page. He was born a year before I was, which is kind of... That young! <laughs> yeah. And I literally, when he, when he started talking to Mando, I closed my eyes. I swear... If, I close, if you close your eyes and you see this guy talk, you think, is that Hayden Christensen? Because he sounds <laughs> a lot like him. Yeah, I've not I've not seen him in anything else before either, to be honest. Um, but yeah. And talking about ages, as we record this today on um, April the 2nd, it's actually Pedro Pascal's um, birthday. So oh, happy nice. belated birthday for whenever this pod comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should be also. Hopefully, if all goes to plan, you guys are hearing us on a Saturday, so not that too much. But yeah, it is funny how that works out. And then he's 46, so even older than me, believe it or not, Scott. He he does he does not look it at all, you know. What has strength, I don't know. And talking about people not looking their age, um, Ming Na Wen's 59. When I was looking when I was uh, looking her up researching for this part of us. <laughs> I was very surprised I wouldn't put her anywhere near that age Jesus Christ 
Looks better than I do now. <laughs> Thinking that well, about myself, I was like, "Christ, she's she's aged very well." Mm-hmm. Well, you know, getting back to the episode because uh, I think talking about ages, we're going to get there ourselves in a very weird. <laughs> but yeah, um, unlike unlike Mando, we've seen so far, he he leaves uh, Grogu on, on the ship, doesn't he? Um, because normally he likes to sort of tow him along. Um, but Pele, Pele, uh, I keep wanting to say Pele, like the footballer, <laughs> but Pele Mato fi- finds him, but she, like any sort of uh, woman with sort of um, maternal instincts, she sort of wants to look after him. Oh, so you said all women want to look after children? My God, Carl, 2021. Carl's been cancelled, everyone. Uh, I said any woman with maternal instincts to sort of, you know, not, not, obviously not every woman has those. Of course, like you're saying, obviously, at first you just hear something on the ship, she even so, gets her, her blaster as well, and like, she's kind of holding on to this to say, like, what the hell is this thing? <laughs> so I've been, I've been outed as a sexist on episode five of the Mandalorian part. <laughs> I mean, Carl, you've had a few close calls. I mean, we, we, must we bring up your Hideo with Tammy incident? No, no, no. We'll, we'll parry that as deep as we can. <laughs> <laughs> the guy, the character that, uh, Tor- of Toro who's working with Mando, not to move on too quickly, but yeah, like, yeah, Pele kind of basically using, trying to use the sales to try and get, make sure she gets the rest of our money from, from Mando, but Mando's like, I've got a job. And, like, Tor briefly sees him with the sale before they see off on their bike, but I know he's probably meant to. But I remember, no, I don't didn't find it as much watching it, but at the time I thought, this guy is really annoying. He is, he is isn't he? Yeah. Uh, another thing to note is um, Mando knows of Fennec Shan straight away and he knows mm-hmm. how dangerous she is. He warns him, you're a, you're a dead man if you go after her alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, he's one having to be able to tell him what to do because he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Like he said, if you go after yourself, he's got like the tracking fob on him and like Mando saying, like, you get to get to spear bikes and give me the tracking fob. Like he doesn't trust Mando, so he actually smashes it. He says, don't worry, I've got it all up here. So basically, Mando can't like, leave without him and trying to spend the money by himself. Which is just, again, shows how much of an idea and how inexperienced he is. But you know, it's all about Shan basically being an assassin. She's worked for all the major crime families and said, including the huts. And as, as I said before, that kind of, like, background, I think, will like, be explored quite a bit in the, in the uh, Bad Batch series up when that eventually comes out. Because there does seem to be, like, a scene of, of her character being chased by some of the guys in the Bad Batch at the start of there's like the trailer that came out recently, so I should see how that turns out. Yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting. It might hopefully it'll uh, flesh your character out a bit more so and mm-hmm. give us a bit more understanding of her, which will be which will be cool. But she's definitely a, a really good sniper as uh, as they make their approach, she starts uh, shooting at them and they're forced to take cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and before that they run into like some Tuscan Raiders. And that they yeah, he's trying to negotiate with them, and there's a bit where he's got his binoculars. Uh, this being Toro, he's looking at. He sees a couple in the distance, you know. Goes, and oh, you know, I, I don't know if they're trying to like put some social commentary into Star Wars, you know, the same way like the Tuscan Raiders, like you know, like they Toro saying, "Oh, they better keep clear," and like Mando is like, 
or to them we're the strangers and everything goes why don't you tell him yourself and he turns around those two Tuscan Raiders and it's behind him and man obviously negotiates passage by just giving them Toro's binoculars basically and then we look ducking down and uh, Mando gets shot but obviously he hits him in the, the armour uh, which is a lot more a lot more Beskar than at the start of the series and he's like wait a minute, I don't wear Beskar I goes yeah that's probably why it's best we wait till nightfall <laughs> yeah he's very lucky he's got all that Beskar it seems to protect him from a, an awful lot uh, in these uh, episodes mm-hmm. you, although you gotta think he's in the middle of the desert he's and his two sons he must be like melting under that armour Got to be, got to be. It can't, it can't be comfortable, can it? No, definitely not. But it is obviously Mando that's calling all the shots, and the the scene with him and Phoenix, where like she even like shoots him off of his, manages to shoot him off of his like speeder, even though they've been using these like flashes to try and like distract her so she can't see them. But then he Toro tries to like, they feel like he has like behind her, he's got the gun, but she manages to easily overpower him. And then she's got, she even gets him in an arm bar as well. <laughs> so but yeah. but uh, yeah, luckily, luckily for uh, luckily for Toro, um, Mando's got the drop on her, and uh, he points his uh, that sort of I don't know what it is. It's like a big, long sort of snipery type of weapon, isn't it? It's uh, <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what you call it. It's cool though. Yeah, I just I just wrote a sniper rifle and my. No, it's because I, I mm. assumed that it's also got some other name, but it's basically a more space version of what a sniper rifle would be. Yeah, I do like like what she does with Mando because he likes them a lot. Now, well, since I've seen another Mandalorian, and she asks him if he's ever been in Navarro, and we try to gauge him his reaction, like when 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 she says that, because Navarro's also where he made those of the child back to, and everything went down in episode three. And that's that. I get started to think like maybe he is the Mandalorian that I heard about, and that's what she tries to use with with Toro to try and get me like turn on. It's like you know the price for him, uh, the price of his armor is no worth more than like the bounty on me. It's like it's not about the money. Yeah, but if you bring in him, he'll delight you in the guild immediately because he's a traitor and everything. And I hear he's got some child, and then that leads to the thing where, like cause he doesn't have much interaction with child. He just looks at it like what the hell is that when he first sees it. But now that's basically giving him reason to think that Mando is who, like, Phoenix Chan says he is. Yeah, um, he's obviously made himself quite infamous for that incident in uh, mm-hmm. episode three. And you get the feeling sort of galaxies closing in on him in, uh, a bit. Uh, a Mandalorian all decked out in Vestigar is not going to be uh, too difficult to track down. <laughs> not really, no, because like, he's just wondering about the streets of Tatooine. You know, he goes into the bar, nobody really pays any attention to him, but, like, you think he would stand out in the crowd, and something we didn't mention, a very striking bit of, like, a visual, was that uh, Mando turned to corner when he's walking around Tatooine, and there's just a bunch of spikes with a bunch of Stormtrooper helmets on them. Yeah, it's good. Maybe most empire. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a really nice visual, and it's actually used as the uh, the thumbnail for the episode as well, which, uh, mm-hmm. which I like. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. And it's good with the, the thing with the Tuscan Raiders because it actually does play into uh, season two, the first episode, especially because there's a thing where uh, Mando has to work with some locals as well as Tuscan Raiders, and so his ability to communicate with them is obviously they're establishing that here 
which is all coming to better use in season two. Yeah, it's uh, it's good that these little things are sort of picked up upon and um, expanded on in uh, the next series, which uh, I like rather than just forgotten about. Yeah, I think it's glad that we get more Phoenix Shan like after this because like when you only look back on it the way they describe her, like and then the way that she gets shot by Toro. Uh, if that did that did end up being the last we saw of her, that would have been very anticlimactic for her character, especially how dangerous Mando uh, made her to be. Yeah, and um, it was a nice surprise to see her back on uh, season two when when she crops up, and it also shows that perhaps Toro Calican isn't quite as stupid as we first thought, because it looks like he's going to release her at first, but. Uh, he wasn't quite that stupid, and he he just shot her instead, which was quite a surprise. And it surprised me again because I for, I forgot he did that on uh, on the second watching it a second time. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good little bit. Yeah, because he's clearly trying to like use that information so he'll let her go. I don't know if he really wants to like help him get Mando, or if he just wants to try and like get free because she has a contact she's trying to meet and. Also, he she doesn't realize that also he's just using her. She's like, well, if he's worth more than you, then there's no point in having you here. But like, surely if Phoenix has got a reputation as well, then if he like kills her, but then brings her body with her, and Andy brings in a Mandalorian, surely that would doubly ensure that he gets into the guild. So I don't know why he just decides I'm just gonna leave her body here because now if he tells somebody that he killed her, then are they gonna believe him if he had managed to make out the episode? Because she was just in the middle of the desert. Yeah, no, yeah, I'd have thought bring bring in both personally, but mm-hmm. there you go. Perhaps he thought perhaps he's only got room for one, or he thought two would be more trouble than it's worth. I don't know, but uh, I don't know. I don't think it'd have lasted very long as a bounty hunter on his on his own personally. So, no. <laughs> so if it had all panned, if it all panned out for Kelly Gunner, I don't think it'd have, I don't think it'd have lasted very long. I mean, Mando easily outsmarts him. Um, at the end of the the program, yeah, so that he's still got a charge left. So mm. like when Mando is like he has like Belly and uh, the child at gunpoint because Mando goes out to see like some big like, creature. I can't remember. I didn't forgot to nail down the name of the creature that he saw a rider kind of dangling from, who's clearly been killed probably by Shadow. The, like, yeah, the the Jewback it was. Yeah, the Jewback, and. Also, he goes out to find that because obviously there's only one speeder and he's forced to walk as well because, you know, he's, uh, Tor doesn't trust him, he's not leaving him in the middle of nowhere on, by taking his speeder. And so he eventually comes back and sees Shan there and he leaves her as well, assuming that by now she's already, like, dead. And so he leaves to find, so he goes back to, like, the hangar where his ship is and sees that he's got Pelly and the child at gunpoint. And then, like, he tries to get Pelly to cuff him, and then she sees that he's got one of the charges left. And then that easily about it allows them to just shoot Toro quite easily. Again, I think it's meant to show how much more skilled Mando is than, than him. But I remember at the time, I think it was quite anticlimactic because, like, the episode's like 35 minutes long. And, like, the core of it where they're in the desert, like, hunting Shand and then trying to outsmart her. That's all really good. But obviously, they kind of, it felt like at the time that they rushed like, the final a little bit with between Toro and Mando. Yeah, yeah, I can see your point in, in um, feels a bit, a little bit brushed, but when, yeah, 
when you give it a bit more thought, it's it's just showing you how much smarter and sort of superior uh, Mando is to uh, not just Tura, but a lot of the others as well. He when you see him in fights and that, he mm-hmm. he's, he does defeat most people quite handily, doesn't he? Yeah, like he had the fight with Cara doing that's really the most in trouble we've seen him like in a mm. one-to-one fight because it kind of seems kind of even before Yoda, uh, baby Yoda showed up, uh, or Grogu or the child, fucking call him whatever you want, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> then, like, so, like, so like we don't know like who would have came out on top of that one, but yeah, it's the most like in peril we've seen him, and even that was kind of still even. So again, further shows how like skilled Mando is. I think next episode. Where he takes out quite a few like people at one uh, in quick succession in the next episode. Even though I know you said it's not one of your favourite ones, not mine either. But I think it, these are kind of the examples we need to show how like obviously skilled as a, a bounty hunter he is. Yeah, well, maybe it's going to be like some of the others, and I'll appreciate episode six a bit more on a second watch with with any luck. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see when uh, when I get to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, he manages, I don't know, do they really say, do we know where he gets the money from? Because he then produces, like, the money for his ship, even though, like, he shouldn't have been able to have got the money if he didn't, wasn't able to turn Shandon. So where is he meant to have got the money from? He takes it off um, Toro Kelligan. Oh, he's yeah. Got, he's got, like, a little purse strapped to him, and I had to uh, fast forward back a, a couple of beats because I was like, where did he get that money from all of a sudden? But yeah, uh, when he takes him out, he he um, sort of plucks it off him and then hands her the money. So he served his purpose quite well, uh, Callaghan, for uh, the Mando. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So he turns out to be more valuable than, than Chan did because obviously he wasn't able to collect the bounty on her. And uh, talking about uh, Grogu, that he played a very limited role again. This episode, he just, he's left by Mando to get in sleep in the, the the ship and then wasn't expecting to move wake up. He does seem concerned when he walks back and he doesn't see him initially because he's got him in with her. And then obviously he's been used as a to look at lure Mando and by Toro at the end and then obviously before he quickly saves him. So like, there's this kind of little portion of the series where uh, Grogu a lot of the time is used as kind of a plot device almost for Mando where he's just been used to motivate and but like, like Grogu's going this way. So now the man has to go after him more. So and so is trying to get to Amanda, so he's going to try and grab Grogu and threaten his life. Yeah, uh, he he's, he's um, does feel a bit on the sidelines for, for mm-hmm. some of these episodes, but as, as we approach the season finale, he gets a bit more. Especially season two, he gets mm-hmm. a uh, a lot more to do, doesn't he, Grogu? There's a fun little line I forgot about, which just remembered that. Kelly says when uh, she first finds him, she's like, "Well, we can we can charge him more for looking after you now." <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny as I mentioned that I think Walt Rat seems to be the most common insult uh, in this universe they're creating because Mando calls Grogu that in the uh, the last episode, and then mm-hmm. uh, when Mando leaves, after basically being quite a, kind of abrasive towards Kelly when he first says about fixing the ship and saying like no droids, as he leaves, she calls him a Walt Rat as he. As he leaves, it's, uh, it's 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 a good, it's obviously their go to go to insult that uh, that one. Yeah, I mean to be fair, I don't know. I thought about Grogu not having like a big role. I don't really know what he's gonna what I was really expecting from him to do in this episode because 
know, he obviously doesn't speak the same language that uh, that Mando's either, or even at all because he's still like technically a baby, so he don't think he really speaks at all, even though he understands sometimes what Mando says. And obviously, he's been not wanting to use his abilities like every episode, so there are going to be episodes where he has to take this back on the sidelines. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't want to spoil anything for season two, but we do find out he's had. A, he has had a fair bit of training, though. So he's he's obviously, even though he can't talk yet or or whatever, he's he's, he's obviously um, got some. You know, he's, he's, <laughs> I'm trying to find the right words. He's obviously ca- he's obviously capable to some extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, the episode that overall, like, it's kind of wrapped up. Uh, kind of, and Lord of Homer Simpson has wrapped up in a neat little package. Because, like, you know, you've got the thing with Shad, but that quickly, it's like, you're suddenly swerved on that, where, like, suddenly it seems like she's dead. And then Mando has to race back to stop Toro, which is easily dealt with because he's uh, a lot smarter than him, as we've been led to believe throughout the episode. And so I think, also if it went on longer, we'd probably be thinking, like, well, we've been told this whole episode that he's an idiot. Why is he holding his own with Mando? And then also we get the thing that I forgot about by the time season two comes around the old sees like someone bends down to see who to take check on Shand and obviously you only see like the mid part of them, like before you can see any more of them the like the camera like cuts to black so we don't know who that is. Yeah, and it was a, an intriguing little tease um on first watch to who it could be and what could happen. And I actually never gave her a second thought until she showed back up on the second season. And I was like, oh, it's, she's back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember the episode that she does appear in, they do show her before in the, like, the, the recap that they previously on at the, the start of the episode. And that was, and I had a really big, like, oh, yeah, I remember her. I see. I, I always skip the recaps. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've learned not to because, like, sometimes I've learned that it can't. It's not just a previous episode. Sometimes it references an episode from a, from like the earlier season or one from a couple of episodes ago that I've probably forgotten. Which I'm more likely to do now that, I'm not, now that I don't like binge these episodes. I'll watch them like week to week. But I, I, I but I really enjoy the the show length being like thirty minutes or sometimes just over forty minutes. Um, mm-hmm. I said to Reese because they're they're being broadcast on a streaming service rather. On a TV channel, they can have the show whatever length they need it to be for that episode, rather than being constrained to a a forty-two minute runtime to accommodate adverts and a a certain slot, which most shows have to do um, on uh, on tele, you know, on network television and what have you. So that gives them a nice advantage as well that they don't have to pad stuff out or add stuff in to keep it a certain length. <laughs> yeah. And it just and it just breezes by 30, 30, 40 minutes. The, these episodes are so good. Apparently, they reckon the Obi-Wan ones are going to be closer to an hour, by all accounts. Yeah, I think obviously the, the shorter the series, when like the next mm. episode thing, you understand, because like one division was around the 40-odd minute mark, and some episodes did feel a lot shorter than they, uh, than they actually were. Yeah, because yeah, they're about 10 minutes of credits, though, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I and mean, to be fair, the Mando credits do go on for quite a long time as well. But the theme song is still quite good. But with the with like one division, there's still nine of them, but then probably the Winter Soldier is a bit longer in the episodes because there's only six, I think. 
with the run with how many episodes down the season, you understand that. Uh, but there are there were a few episodes in season two that I thought were far too short, which I, I got annoyed at because I thought like I don't know when I'm going to get more Mando, and then I remember the like the final of season two was a bit was much longer, and I thought oh good to again be able to cram more then before it goes away again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It does. I think it's always a good thing though if it leaves you wanting more rather than some some series and shows overstaying their welcome, whether it's um, runtime or or just too many episodes in the season. Because mm-hmm. a lot in America, they like to have like 22, 24 episode seasons and you end up with a lot of filler, filler episodes uh, because of that. Yeah, so like I said before, like they're able to, not just because it's a stream platform, but because like, with each show, you know, they're able to like, despairing all the stories they want to tell with the series, they can like, limit the number of episodes and I remember ages ago, like I think it was when there was a couple episodes left of of One Division. Me, Jimmy, and Nathan were doing a podcast. Where we were like chatting about the the shows and the idea, like you know, with these shows, like they can either choose to tie them into the TV, the films, and then do another series, or they can these series can be like one one offs if they choose to. I think it's, it goes the same for for Mandalorian even more so, or like the other Star Wars shows because they don't need to be tied into the main like like shows. They can have references to them, like. Way ones we've mentioned in the last episode, but you know these shows can like run for as many series as they need or want them to. Yeah, hundred percent. And hopefully they'll they'll know when when it's enough and not carry it on for the sake of carrying it on. Like we've lost. Apparently there was like a a four or five season arc, but then um, executives because the show was so popular, wanted more series, so they had to sort of pad it out and add more series to it. Yeah, it's weird. So you don't, want, you don't want it to go too long unnecessarily. Yeah, because certain series creators, like, before they, like, start a show, they have an idea of how many series they want to, they want to have, because they know that'll be the perfect amount of time to tell their story or whatever, because I remember Supernatural, it, that went on for, like, 15 series in the end. But that was originally only meant to be three, and then got changed to five, and then just started going on and on because of the the popularity of the show. But also, I think Brooklyn Nine Nine, I believe, in the it's going to have a season eight, but then that might be the last one because uh, the number of episodes they're going to have in season eight will round up to I can't remember how many episodes. Uh, that'll mean the show had overall. But but the the show creators apparently before starting said that was the perfect amount of episodes they wanted to have. And that they thought they could tell everything they needed to in those number of episodes. So it's nice when like show creators have like this idea before they start making a show. And like you said, unlike other shows like Lost or other shows you can think of, like or like fucking Dexter, that just jumped off the top of my head. Like shows don't go like outstay their welcome. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, yeah, really enjoyable uh, episode. This, what would you give it as a, a rating out of ten, Scott? I think uh, I if we were rating it as like season one was happening at the time, I would have rated it a few more like lower than I'm going to rate it now. I'd say a solid eight and a half out of ten because it's a better episode than I remember it being. But it's also like when I think of my favorite episodes, it doesn't really immediately jump out. So for what it is, it's better than I remembered it being. But I know there are better episodes. Yeah, I'd, I'll give it half less. I'd, I'll go eight out of ten. It's, it is a really enjoyable episode, but it doesn't quite stand out, as you say, to the proper great episodes that'll be coming up. 
Yeah, when we were really looking back on it, as we are, the idea of like, things that it's, it kind of almost sets up, anyway, especially with Shan being involved, then you're able to like, have a different perspective than when you're just watching it for the first time. Yeah, exactly. If we didn't know Fennec Shan come back, I, I might have only given it a seven, perhaps. But, uh, yeah, no. Yeah, first time, I watched, first time I watched that, I probably would have given it like maybe a six or something like that. Hmm. It's it's nice it's nice to go back and watch it again and see how things pan out in retrospect. It's uh, well worth going back and rewatching. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. So, Scott, are, are you ready to go with your plugs? I am ready indeed. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Scott McLeod nineteen ninety six. Uh, follow Scott and Paul's at uh, SP Rambling. We are. This weekend we were trying to record the first part of a long, uh, two really long podcast catching up and everything on it with Impact because we kind of let that slip. So part one's going to be the February and March kind of Impact Plus specials and everything that's going on around them. And then part two will be uh, covering hard, just Hardcore just which happened on the 10th of April and a preview for Rebellion will be part two and then we'll review Rebellion sometime early May. So we're also trying to catch up on everything that's been going on with Impact Wrestling. Uh, Eat, sleep, the pleasure retreat at Suplex Retweet. Uh, I've got some stuff going on there. I recently hosted the week's episode of their show, ESSR Central, which is basically their uh, weekly news show and everything's going on. We talked about, obviously, the new inductees to the Hall of Fame. We talked about the new IWGP World title and a bunch of other things. Uh, feature shows, they got a show coming out about the best moments from the Raw After Mania. We had a show talking about the uh, the best uh, 20 years look back at WrestleMania X7. So it's happy to be hard. And uh, check out the YouTube and Facebook uh, pages because I'm going to be part of uh, a couple of live streams over Mania Week where uh, the night of night one of uh, NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver, uh, we're going to be doing a live stream uh, preview of both nights and the same for night one of WrestleMania. We're going to be doing a live stream uh, on Facebook, uh, predicting the outcome of both nights. We might do something on night two, where we're looking at immediate reactions to what happened on night one, kind of thing. But, you know, stay tuned to social media for that. And in terms of Rogue Pines, you know, I'm happy to be a part of this. So, me and Nathan are thinking of uh, doing a Mania rebook. We're going to have Jimmy on it, but he's been super busy recently. Uh, so, we might get someone else in to join us for the SmackDown. I can't. I honestly can't tell you when the next episode of SmackDown is going to come, but hopefully very soon. All right, but yeah, a, a long list of grand stuff there, Scott. Um, I'm going to. Younger viewers might not get this, but if Adam Ant isn't on Takeover Stand and Deliver, I'm going to be bitterly <laughs> disappointed. <laughs> you know, it's lucky that I, I started a new job this week, so luckily I'm only. I only work to the mid afternoon. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to. I wouldn't honestly be able to be the most humble yet hard, hardest working man in podcasting certainly the hardest certainly the hardest working in uh, rogue opinions anyway Christ but yeah you can find me at my paltry other two podcasts where with Liam we um, rogue chronicles we talk about popular villains in uh, pop culture we've done one on Darth Vader uh, Norman Bates they're all in the rogue opinions back catalogue so check those out and with the Premier League kicking back off this weekend, uh, we'll be coming back 
hopefully Monday or Tuesday with Bantam Munich. So uh, look out for that for your dose of football shenanigans. Who knows? Maybe Reese will find that win he's been looking for. <laughs> another week, another desperate for a win. <laughs> it is getting increasingly desperate, believe you me. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you can find us at Rogue Score Opinions on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Rogue Opinions twenty because Rogue Opinions was already taken by some crappy <laughs> by some crappy group dot wordpress dot com for our website with articles and blogs posted by myself, um, Anthony, and Scott has got one up there as well actually, uh, Smack- yeah. related to his SmackDown podcast. So check those out. Yeah, but meaning to do like other ones. You know, I've I done the occasional article over at Culture Vultures, and so I keep going. I do this article for Rogue Things, I do it for them, and uh, but then also I've got this new job that I mentioned. And you know, I've been meaning to do some non uh, wrestling related articles. I've been, I started a, an article basically, it's, a, it's not an article, it's a, it's a Word document with a with a rant on it about why I don't like Rachel and Friends. And I've been <laughs> sitting on that article for a long time that I haven't finished it. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to that because she was never one of my favourite characters either. To 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 be honest, I, I was always a Monica man myself. Yeah, I think at the time I'd randomly. I'd, it's one of those times where you know, everybody seems to feel like they hate Friends, and then they randomly start rewatching because of the series on Netflix. And so at the time, I started watching it back, and then I was so filled with all this hatred that I just spewed it on their face. So <laughs> maybe I need to watch Friends again, and maybe that will motivate me to finish the article. <laughs> Brilliant, sounds great. All right, um, so that's me signing off then. Goodbye, everybody. Ta-da.